mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Not Many Fathers. His scripture text will be taken from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Here now, Pastor Moody. If you would go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Amen. I want to read some of the writing of Paul as he wrote uh, to the church at Corinth. And he was talking about himself being the spiritual father of the church. And I think uh, recently with the passing of uh, Brother Rick Clendenin, who I think was a, a brilliant minister, but he, he majored on the idea of spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. Um, you may not have had a, a father who was a, a Christian man. I was blessed to have that. Uh, for a part of my life, for a great part of my life, he wasn't. Um, we lived in separate states. And when I was saved and called into the ministry, I, uh, I sought out a couple of men to father me spiritually and because of the need that I had in my life. And this is what Paul was dealing with. But I want to tell you that, Dad, God has placed squarely on your shoulders the responsibility of being the father to your children and the spiritual example that they need. And so let's, let's deal with that. If you'd stand with me, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read starting in verse number 14. Paul said, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, how many ever felt like that? There's 10,000 people trying to tell you what to do, and ain't none of them saying the same thing. It's that way sometimes. You might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. Let me know there's a difference in an instructor and a father. Amen. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's claiming fathership over these spiritual sons right here. Amen. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. Notice verse 15. You may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many fathers, and I have begotten you. I want to just key on that thought. Not many fathers. Amen. There's a lot of people today who claim authority over people, but there's not many fathers with the heart of a spiritual father. God, we love you. We thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. Let the Spirit of God just move as only you can and speak to us, God, and let us have ears to hear. Uh, we love that song this morning. Not for a minute was I forsaken. I thank you, Lord, that through the good times and the bad times, the critical times and the leisure times, 
Ever since I've been saved, I've always known that you're there. I've always had the sense of your love, of your presence, of your protection, of your guidance, of everything you've done in my life, and I praise you for it. God, let your will be done today as we speak to the hearts of sons and daughters and moms and dads and spiritual fathers today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, it's an amazing thing to be a father. I have been the father of two girls, naturally speaking, and uh, I, I keep things. And four years ago, Abby sent me a text, and here's what she said. Sometimes kids say profound things, and that's why I kept it. She said, every girl should have a father she can judge all other men by. Wow. I mean, girls, you need to set, have a dad that sets the bar so high that it's going to be hard for a man to measure up to that. And if he don't get close, just don't even talk to him. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Uh, the idea is that whether we realize it or not, dads, we are the first and last real example of godly living our kids take notice of. I have had the privilege over the years of pastoring to be involved with spiritual children whose dads weren't spiritual men. And some of them have been called into ministry. And... Uh, I've tried to speak into their lives and father them and direct them. Uh, some of them are success, are success stories and some of them are still a work in progress. But none of them are failures. Can I get a witness? I mean, it's just because you fail at something doesn't make you a failure. It just gives you another opportunity to try again. Um, I've been excited for the last couple of weeks. Clyde Wimmer, who's in Virginia, who uh, claimed me as a spiritual father. He calls me dad. I call him son. For eight years, I mentored him and prepared him for ministry. Uh, two Sundays ago, they had a baptismal service and baptized 29 new converts. They got revival going. He's working 10, 12 hours a day and pastoring the church, baptizing 29 at a time. Called me, been texting with me, and we called me uh, uh, Friday. We talked for probably... 45 minutes to an hour on the phone. And he said, this week I've had five more saved. And they're from the ages of 12 to about 25. God's bringing young people into that church. And uh, he, he, he uh, tempted me. He said, I probably need you to come up here. I said, well, I'm probably ready to come. Praise God. Because I'm like a moth. If there's a fire burning, I'm drawn to it. Can you say amen? And as dads, we have an ambition for our children to see them not just make it or do what we did, but to go beyond what we've ever accomplished. How many of you dads will say amen to that? We want to train them to be better, to be stronger, to go farther than we ever did. And we really must try hard to live up to the task. Paul said, though you have 10,000 instructors, you, uh, you have not or you don't have many fathers. He said, for in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. I fathered you. I brought you into the kingdom. And in this day and time when so many people are trying to, to uh, instruct our children, impress our children, Hollywood, the music industry, 
uh, the education system. I could go on the, the commercial uh, uh, industry. Everything is trying to get the attention of the young generation. Everyone's vying for their financial future to try to be able to live off of their, off of their funds and off of their money. Everybody wants to have their support and try to encourage them to come along with them. Some of the things that I see being presented to America as being the new norm or ideal are an abomination. I'll not hobby horse and preach on things. You don't have to look far to find it. Can you say amen? There's stuff out there that wants to take your children down a road to hell. That's all about that. I mean, that's, that's the enemy. He came not but for to steal and kill and to destroy. My job primarily as a father, both naturally and spiritually, is to train up a child in a way that he should go. And when he gets in that path, he'll not depart from it is what the Word of God says. I heard a man speaking on the radio recently, a minister, and this is what he said. He was talking about boys in particular. And he said, boys are, are influenced strongly early on in their life by their mother. Some of you moms are not going to like what he said and what I'm about to say. But by the time that that boy gets around 10 years old, mom needs to back off and let dad take over. As far as developing the character and the nature can I say a word that's not very popular in this politically correct world? The masculinity of that boy. Amen. That's not happening in a lot of places. We've got people with, with uh, gender identity issues. And uh, I've said this many, many times. When I was a boy, they told me every five minutes who I was. Boy, you better sit down, boy. <laughs> Come on. Somebody, are you hearing me? I say that in jest, but in reality, a boy needs a godly example of a man to show him what it means to be a man, and not just a man, but a man of God, a man of character, a man of integrity, a man of steel and velvet, men, come on, a man that can be strong and firm and yet condescending, loving, caring, and, and gentle, hallelujah, a man that can love his wife and love his children and still stand and fight hell if he has to to protect them. That's what God's looking for in a spiritual father. Amen. He said in verse 16, he said, I beseech you, or I plead with you, be followers of me. I think when fathers realize, as he said, there are thousands of people trying to instruct our children in the most crucial matters of their life, we must accept the truth and the challenge that we, you, sir, are the only father that they have. Are you with me? You might have many, a thousand instructors, but one father. And, and, and hear me, sometimes as Christian men, can I challenge the church men today? We see children that don't have that spiritual father. We see children that have been abandoned or children that are being led down the wrong road. Sometimes God's going to touch you to step up and offer spiritual fatherhood to that child. He may not look like you, He's got different DNA than you. He may have come from a different world than you. Can I just say it? He may be a different color than you. Come on, he, There may be all kinds of things about him that look nothing like you, but the reality is he's looking for you because he needs a godly man to give him instruction and to help him find his way through life. Amen. Many 
to dad, many dads today are what one writer called dropout dads. Many children are left to those perhaps with somewhat troubling agendas. I'm gonna, I just want to say it again. The enemy is on the, he's, he's raging. He's like a roaring lion. How many believe the Bible? I, I want you to get this in your mind. Satan is never, you know, uh, when we were sing, uh, uh, singing this morning, not for a moment was I ever forsaken. The Lord has always been there. But you hear me, the enemy's always right outside the door. Amen. God said to Cain, he said, to, don't you know that the enemy, the lion, is crouching outside the door. He's waiting to take you if you, if you don't listen to, to godly counsel. God said, if you do well, you'll be instructed. I want children to know some things about life that the word of God says. Are you hearing me? And yes, God loves you and God is accepting and God grace covers everybody. But hear this preacher. There's been many a boy, many a girl, many a young man, many a young woman have had their future and their lives, if not totally destroyed, severely altered by the fact that there's a real devil and there's thousands of instructors out there who are motivated by him, but thank God for spiritual fathers, hallelujah, that can guide you down the right path. I know that Paul was speaking here of spiritual fatherhood, and yet the concept is especially true for natural fathers. The, the Thompson Chain Bible uh, subtitles this an admonition, amen, to fatherhood. And an admonition is not just something that you tell a child, but it's something that you teach them over and over again. It's like a drill instructor in the army. Amen. I, I remember in 1972 in the Vietnam War, I got drafted and, and I reported for basic training. And back then, men had long hair or they had afros that looked like big, you know, big, big, round, big. How many remember those days? The big afro hairdos and, and everybody had the long hair. And they marched us into that reception station. And the first place they took us was to a barber shop. And when they come out of there, everybody's head looked about the same. Can you say amen? There was just one, there was a kind of a one size fits all. And then they put a uniform on us and everybody, the style was the same. The color was the same. And then they issued us, amen, the things that we needed for daily activity in life. And nobody got anything any better than anybody else. We all got the same thing. And then the instruction started. The drill started. The, the physical training started. And their goal was to take us from being those civilian young men that had reported to that induction station to bring us out on the other side of that eight-week weeks of training as a soldier, a man of war, ready to go into the battlefield and face the enemy. And that drill sergeant that we thought was the worst human that ever drew a breath, amen, suddenly became the most important man in our lives. And he would say things to me like, I'm going to be your mama. I'm going to be your daddy. If you run away and try to go home and hide and get under the bed, it'll be me reaching under there and grabbing you by the leg and dragging you out and taking you back because I've got a plan. Come Oh, somebody, I want you to know that God wants us to, amen, to be like that drill instructor. Maybe not that harsh, but to make that child know that life is real and the enemy's out to get you. And I'm preparing you for a battle so you can be the winner and not the victim. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In Ephesians 6 and 4, Paul says this. He says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. In other words, don't just threaten them. 
and, and brutalize them and, and drive them to rebellion. I mean, uh, I said, well, we've got to be men of steel and velvet. But he said, train them up. Amen. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I found that the positive and godly influences of a dad cannot be overstated. Notice what Paul says, verse 14. I will not shame you. I'm not saying this to, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but I'm writing to you as my beloved sons, my own beloved children. I want you to understand the responsibility of a father is to be, amen, the source of blessing and instruction and correction and guidance for their children. Abraham, I thought like this, blessed Isaac to, uh, to bless all the generations to follow. Isaac was deceived by Jacob, and but he still got blessed because it was the will of God. Jacob put a coat of many colors on Joseph and eventually, amen, laid his hand upon the younger son of Joseph, if you remember uh, unwittingly, but that was the plan of God as well. And, and Joseph, God blessed him and Ephraim became a blessing in Israel. But then God, uh, uh, Jacob began to speak in Genesis chapter 49 and he began to speak the blessings over and, the, and prophesy over every one of his children. And uh, he said to Reuben, you were my firstborn, but you're unstable as water. And what he spoke over him, uh, listen, it, it wasn't very flattering, but it came, it came to pass. But then he got down to Judah and he said, Judah's a lion's whelp. And he said to Judah, Amen. There will not fail to be a lawgiver, a leader to come from Judah. Amen. Until Shiloh comes. And the name Shiloh, how many ever heard that and wondered what it meant? It means... It means to him whom these things belong. Talking about Christ, hallelujah. And he was saying, I want you to know that I have a plan. I'm speaking blessings over this family. And oh, uh, Jacob was prophesying over him and he was saying what was gonna come to pass. You can study out the history. Everything he spoke over them happened. And then the Bible said he gathered his feet up in the bed and he died and they carried him out to Machpelah. And there they buried him where he buried Leah and where Isaac was buried him where Abraham was buried. What are you saying, preacher? I'm here to tell you that fatherhood, amen, and the responsibility of fatherhood is not just for right now, but it's generational. It's for our progenity. It's for the forever generation to come. I want you to understand this. I don't intend to be the last man of God that ever comes out of this family. I'm expecting that for generations, there's going to be children that are being born, that are going to be preached and men and women of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to say this. The idea that was, was that God determined that through the hands and influence of fathers, children will be affirmed and blessed. Brother Tom, if I die without blessing my children, then their blessing dies with me. Do you understand that? what God has put in us, if we don't impart it to our children. I mean, most people are concerned about leaving them money. They'll spend it. Most people are concerned about leaving them the house. They'll sell it. Are you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can give them stuff. I mean, you can leave them grandpa's watch. Somewhere down the road, somebody will pawn it. Some, or something will happen. 
I'm here to tell you, you can put Jesus in their heart. You can teach them about the Holy Spirit. You can instruct them in the Word of God. You can train them up to have a heart for ministry and for the world and for lost souls and for missions. And it'll go from generation to generation. I refuse to to let my blessing die with me. I put it in my children. I'm putting it in my grandchildren. If I live to see great-grandchildren, I'll put it in them because this is the plan of God for fathers, hallelujah. Oh, give him praise, if you would. Satan is destroying a present generation of young fathers. I, I, come on now, he's, I, I don't say this to be hobby horse, I say it with a broken heart. He's destroying a generation of young fathers with drugs, and the real tragedy is that their sons and daughters many times are being destroyed with them. There's a, there's a void of fathers in America today. Can I preach like that? There's 10,000 of instructors in every child's life. It's in that, that, that device they, they stay, keep in front of their face every moment. Huh? It's on Twitter and Facebook. It's in the video games. It's, it's in the television programs. It's in... It's in uh, material that, that they're constantly being barraged and bombarded with. Ten thousands of instructors. Anybody with me today? I, I, I don't want to get on, a, you know, on some tangent here, but I just feel like saying there's all kinds of things, people, and devils in this world that are, that are gripping the minds of children, and many of them don't have a father, not a spiritual father. So God's challenging the church today to step up and be a spiritual man, be a spiritual father. You see, Dad, God is the source of your blessing for your children. And we must know we cannot bless if we haven't received the blessing. We can't impart or give what we don't have. Jacob deceived Isaac to get the blessing. But still he was a Jacob. And Jacob means a deceiver, a supplanter. It means somebody that's, that's uh, going to get it any way he can get it. That's what it means. And so the Bible said in Genesis 32 and 24 that Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. This, this man touched Jacob's thigh and crippled him. It was out of joint and as he wrestled with him. And, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. This is the angel saying to him, or the Lord saying to Jacob, let me go, the day's breaking. Listen to what he said. I will not let you go except you bless me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not, I've got to have the blessing. Dad, let me tell you something. In this day and time, with what the world is presenting, what the 10,000s of instructors are presenting, with the temptations that are out there, am I preaching all right with the mess that's going on in our world? It must be confusing for a young person today to turn on the six o'clock news and they're calling good evil and they're calling evil good and they're saying we ought to when the Bible says we shouldn't. They, you know what? They, that's all confusing. You know what they need? They need a godly dad that's standing there saying, son, this this is what's right and this is what's wrong and not because I just think so but because this is the blessing that God has given me. Give him praise if you would. I ain't gonna let you go till you bless me. 
Every day that ought to be your prayer. God, I'm not going to quit till you touch me that I walk different than I walked when I got into this wrestling match. I talk different than I talked and you change who I was because the angel said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name will no more be called Jacob but Israel for as a prince you've got power with God and with men and you have prevailed. And I tell you something, Jacob had an I'm about to shout up in here. Jacob had an experience that transformed who he was, transformed where he came from, made a difference in his life. And God said, you're a prince. I want to tell you, you may say, well, I'm just a moody or, or, or I'm just a coach or I'm, or I'm just a ballad or just this or that. You get a hold of God and when he gets done with you, you're a righteous royal heir to the throne and you're a prince, which means you're a son, a child of the king hallelujah oh glory you husbands ought to touch your wife and say get used to it baby I'm a child of the king hallelujah I'm a prince old prince Adam sitting back there praise God <laughs> let me go on anybody happy besides me today somebody said you're cocky no I'm just saved I'm just sanctified. I'm just sanctified. People look at you funny. That means I've been set apart. I've been made holy. I'm a chosen vessel. I'm a prince with God. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. David Jeremiah said, because God knows the end from the beginning, the age of Jacob could poetically and prophetically Describe each son's of each one of his sons' setting and character and future prospects, as well as that of his progeny or his grandchildren and his great grandchildren, right on down the line. And and the blessings that Jacob spoke over his sons extend all the way to the last days. Amen. To the rapture. Hallelujah of the church and the second coming of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know if y'all are getting this or not. I'm happier than y'all are, praise God. I'm going to tell you that being a man of God, being a father, amen, puts you in the position to change history, to influence generations, to raise up sons and daughters that doesn't matter if the rest of the world's going to hell. They'll stand up straight like Stephen with a look on their face like they've, been, they've seen an angel and they'll stand and declare truth and declare the word of God and lives will be changed because the devil cannot change what God does in, in a life. Oh, happy Father's Day. Glory to God. You know who I am? I'm a dad. I love this. Paul said, 10,000 instructors, not many fathers. I'm a dad. I'm a father. Hallelujah. That's my first and greatest responsibility in my life right now is to be that spiritual man of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Lady, if you're married to a good godly man that loves the Lord, loves you, and loves his children, you ought to wash his feet when you get home today and bless that man and say, happy father. Why are you laughing at? I'm serious as I can be. 
I'm here to tell you, thank God for a man who loves his family and his children and his wife enough to surrender his heart to God and say no to the things that hell offers and say no to the drunken and drinking and doping and chasing and womanizing and, and the filth of the world's entertainment. Somebody help me preach a while. Thank God for godly dads. Thank God for godly men. Thank God for men of character. Amen. Because they know Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm a dad. You see, a dad will affirm his children even when they've fallen. Amen. Israel had fallen. Listen to Isaiah 63. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah that is glorious in his apparel, in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Listen to verse 16 of that chapter. He says, doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. O Lord, thou art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is everlasting. You know what they were saying? They were saying we may have failed the tradition of the fathers, but I'm glad we can turn back to their God, and that God will redeem us. That's what they were praying in this particular chapter, being a dad, Hey, listen, he causes you to affirm your children even when they're fallen. Being a dad empowers children. John 1 and 12 said, as many as received Jesus, he gave them power, power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I wanna tell you something. My children have authority in my house. Are you hearing me? Amen. They have rights that nobody else has because I gave them that, that, those rights and that authority. You understand what I'm saying? A father Father empowers his children. He doesn't tear them down. He doesn't criticize them. He doesn't provoke them to wrath. He raises them up to know that they are a prince or a princess. They're the child, amen, that's most important in that house. And our desire for them is to embrace the, the things of the kingdom of God and know what reality really is in spiritual life. Let me, let me go on. Being a dad brings confident security to a child. Amen. Abby sent me that text. Every girl needs a dad that she can judge others by. Dad, daughters and sons need to be able to look at you and say that's what's right because that's what he lives. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. He shows us godliness. He shows us righteousness. He shows us holiness. I'm so tired of these little Johnny-come-latelys in the church world today that want to criticize holiness and criticize righteousness and criticize Pentecost. Hello? I want to tell you something. If you, don't, if you don't have righteousness, you're not saved. If you don't have holiness, you backslid. And if you don't have Pentecost, you're pretty weak. <laughs> Because you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's not about legalism and denominationalism. No, it's about being not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind and being made to be like Jesus because the world doesn't need to see just another uh, you know, ungodly, supposed to be church leader. They need to look at the pulpit and the music and the singers and the teachers and the worshipers and see Jesus, hallelujah. That's what they need to see. Being a dad brings security to the heart of a child. Romans 8, 15, I love this verse. People tried to quote this during the coronavirus and they was trying to misappropriate it and hijack it. 
about not being afraid of a virus. That's not what it's talking about. Romans 8, 15 says, For you've not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Let me translate that. Being a child of God brings security to the believer, just like being the child of a godly dad brings security to the heart of your child. Amen. Third thing I want to say is I'm a leader. I'm a leader. Amen. You, you may not realize that, but you are a leader. Can somebody say amen? What is leadership? Leadership in a word, one word definition. You ready for it? Influence. Doesn't matter how much I impress my children if I don't influence my children. Doesn't matter how much I impress spiritual sons and daughters that God brings under my care if I don't influence them. B.H. Clendenin built the school of Christ after he was 70 years old, I think. Raised $12 million and took it up to 120 nations and started training up ministers all over the world. Great man of God. And, and Clendenin had his own style. He was a Marine. He was military in his preaching style. He was anointed, powerful man of God, built a great church, did a great work around the world. And uh, uh, one day somebody came to him and said, Clendenin? He said, yeah. That's how he talked. They said, every preacher that comes out of that church preaches just like you. He said, my God, who'd you think they'd preach like? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> he influenced them. He was a leader, can you say Amen. And the most important thing about leadership is who's following you. I've heard a lot of people say they're apostles and prophets and leaders. Look behind them. There ain't nobody following them. If ain't nobody following you, sir, you're not in leadership. You're just taking a walk. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That often means being man enough to say the hard things. Man enough to look at your children and say, take this yoke upon you, do it this way. Don't go there. Old Don Brinkle left home when he was 14 years old in a Model A Ford going to preach the gospel to the world and never came back home. He preached on every continent. He was the international evangelism director for the entire assemblies of God worldwide. He preached thousands were saved and filled with the with the Holy Spirit. And and uh, uh, this 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 man of God, uh, Amen. He said when his teenage girls were at home, he said he come home. Back, this was back during the '60s, during the days of the hippie movement and all that. And he said uh, I was at home one weekend and said somebody knocked at the door and I went to the door and he said there stood something I couldn't figure out what it was. The way it looked, it looked terrible. And said so the guy looked at him and said, hey, man. That was a hippie thing back then. And Brother Don looked at him and said, how are you, young man? What can I do for you? And he said, man, I'm here to get your daughter. Don said, no, you're not, and shut the door in his face. You might not like that, but I loved it. <laughs> Man enough to say this is the way it is. This is right and that's wrong. 
Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will will save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. You hear what he's saying? Jesus was saying, listen, there's a way that you can go that seems right to a man, but the end thereof it is the ways of death. If you want to make it to heaven, you're going to have to crucify the flesh and live a Christian life. That's what he was saying. John 13 and 12, the Bible said, after Jesus had washed their feet and had taken his garment and, w- and was set down again, he said to them, know you not what I've done to you. You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know what Jesus was saying to the men that were gonna take the world with the gospel? He was, going to say, he was saying, you still have to submit to one another's care and care for each other. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Hebrews 3 and 1 said, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Today, dads, I would be remiss to tell you here's where you have to live and not give you an example to follow. I submit to you that I want you to consider our apostle and high priest, Jesus Christ. Follow his example as Brother Nick comes to the music. You see, submitting to a godly father, what's this now? If you don't get that, if you don't get nothing else I've said, you get this. Submitting to a godly father is easy for a well-fathered child a well-fathered child. Doesn't mean born of a pedigree, but it means having a father who's there in your life, influencing and directing and guiding and correcting and instructing that child. Jesus said things like this, whatever my father tells me, that's what I do. I only say what he says. I only do his will. My meat, they said, Master, when he talked to the woman at the well and she was getting saved, they said, has somebody, they, you know, has somebody else fed you, brought you something to eat? He said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. If I can got that, I can do without a hamburger. Can you say amen? I can do without a big, fine, four-course meal if I can do the will of God. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Then he said, here's submission. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not many fathers. Ten thousands of instructors. I refuse to sit on the sideline and wring my hands while some Yehu leads my children down the road to hell. they get my baby, it'll be over my dead body. Is this all right to talk like this? I have a mandate from God for dads. Know him and present him to those children. Train them up. Present a Jesus to them that they'll fall in love with. 
make him Lord of their life. And you know what, dads? You raise girls. They're your babies. Or if you raise sons, they're your babies. And then they become your children. They become your young people. And they become those that you're shaping and molding their life. And, and man, you've got it figured out, everything about them. And trust me, somebody's going to come down the road one day and take them from you. They're not going to be your babies no more. They're going to belong. They're going to be somebody else's baby. They're going to belong to somebody else. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. But the good news is, if they've had a father that that child can judge everybody else by, they'll be all right. Can I get a witness? They'll be all right. Father, we love you. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the presence of the Lord. Thank you for the direction and instruction of godly men, fathers, who've fathered me, who've helped me, who've instructed me. Men that I could turn to when there was nobody else and say, what does what is God saying to you? What what do, you, what do you feel? And they've spoke to me the word of the Lord. God, I want you to always let us be that spiritual father, that dad among ten thousands of others that says what the child needs and wants. God, bless dads today. If there's a dad here that's not saved, let him surrender to Christ. In our families, if we have dads that are not saved, we we pray for them. I, I, I'm thinking of friends who have dads in their family, son-in-laws or sons. They're trying to bring up children without Jesus, and they're failing. They're failing because they don't have that example to follow. They intend well, but missed it I pray for them today God to be saved and to come to Jesus I pray for you Lord to turn hearts to you if you're here today heads bowed eyes closed and you're not saved if you're a dad or maybe you're a person sitting here and your dad's not a Christian you may have already lost him and you need spiritual father you need somebody to guide you you need to be that man of God to guide your children if either of those are you would you just slip up your hand and say pray for me God bless you anybody else just slip up your hand pray for me I want to be God bless you I want to be what God's called me to be I'm not I'm not in this to compete with other men I'm here. I want to be what God wants just hold up your hand you can put it down would you stand with me right now over all of you fathers if you, would, you, would you do this if you want to would you just come stand around the front could I get dads to just come stand around the front I feel like doing this just come on stand around I'll make it easy 
line up in a line all the way across there. All the way across the front. Just, just line up all the way across. Just, just try not touch each other. Come stand behind him. Just come stand behind your dad. He's up here. Come on, kids. Come on, just stand behind your dad. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for dads, for fathers that have determined to model their lives after Jesus, instructed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the ministry that you've set over them. Father, I pray for their children that they'll be able to speak blessings over them as Abraham did to poetify poetically and prophetically determine the future of their children to walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake to be guided by the Holy Spirit to productivity and effectiveness to be the children and young men and women and even later themselves parents that you've called them to be because our world needs a heritage of holiness. Our world needs a standard of righteousness to continue. Father, in Jesus' name, just pour your anointing for leadership and fatherhood and blessing out upon these dads and upon their children and upon their children's children for generations to come. Use the influence of these men of God in the name of Jesus. I want every person up here to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I stand before you today in total submission. I'm yours. Forgive me of every sin and every failure. Guide my steps direct my path help me to be the father the dad 
the leader that my family needs. Help me to be a spiritual father to the many thousands who need a spiritual father today. Help me to determine those that I can influence and use me for the kingdom of God's sake. In the name of Jesus. Hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.